Good morning, Merry Christmas, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive, right here on a crisp Christmas morning here in Tampa, Florida area, where this broadcast is originating to wherever you are in the United States, in North America, South America, the Arctic, <laughs> if you, if what we call crisp, you call, amen, time to put on some suntan lotion. But we are experiencing a very harsh Christmas day in many parts of our nation, and there are many harsh conditions, not just weather-wise, but all over the world. The sea and the waves are roaring, not just because of earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, but because of the unrest all over the world. Men's hearts failing them for fear, looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. We're living in very prophetically significant times. The coming of the Lord certainly is very, very near because the perilous times that would signify the last times or the last days we are experiencing right now. But here on Christmas Day, uh, there is good news to bring, and I'm glad to be a bringer of good news today. Hallelujah. Amen. The Prince of Peace has come. The real peacemaker between God and man has come that we might experience God's peace. And we're going to talk to you today on the subject of Christmas according to the eyewitnesses. Second Peter 1 and verse 16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. I know most of you have heard the song, or parts of the song, uh, We Three Kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we Traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. They along with the shepherds, were eyewitnesses to His majesty. And today, uh, in our postmodern world, with all of its skepticism, all of its deception, uh, we want to clearly delineate God's truth, especially at Christmas. We want to separate fact from fiction. Now I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not anti uh, Santa Claus unless we forget uh, to clearly delineate the fact from the fiction, the truth from the fable. It's important that we not just be a killjoy at Christmas. We ought to celebrate above anyone that's celebrating the commercialized holiday, because we know as Christians the true reason for the season. And that's why I want to bring you a message today that I believe is going to help us to do that. We want to separate fact from fiction, and we want to do it because we have the report of eyewitnesses to this great event when Jesus condescended to come down, take on flesh, God the second person of the Godhead, Becoming incarnate in flesh and Emmanuel, God with us. 
Praise God. Amen. I, I want to I tell you a humorous story. In our postmodern world, with its skepticism, we must clearly delineate God's truth. So I heard this humorous story of a grandmother who took her two grandchildren, aged seven and eight, to the zoo. When they stopped at the stork cage, she said, These are the birds that brought you two to your mom and dad. Little Johnny looked up at Jimmy and said, Should we tell her the truth? Kids are becoming way more sophisticated. They're, they're actually growing up way too fast. And, and they are, I, 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 we had a mission work in Jamaica for many years and I remember going to an orphanage and I was amazed at the biblical and spiritual development that these, what they call bush babies, when people who were starving themselves couldn't take care of these little babies. They would leave them at the door of the orphanage and they would take them in and raise them. And, and you would see eight-year-olds with their hands raised, tears running down their cheeks, singing praises unto the Lord. You know, there's some people in church many, many decades older than those eight-year-olds that were experiencing the presence of God and expressing that kind of worship to God, heartfelt, spirit and truth worship. Ah, there are people still going through the motions that have never learned how to enter into the presence of God. Another whole message but we need to grow up in God, don't we? And we need to we need to not take for granted that our little children are are able to begin to get a hold on the great truth of God and the truth of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We're we are in a real battle for the hearts and minds and even the souls of many women, boys and girls here in America. So these three wise men, or three magi, three kings in, in the song, uh, and I want to use the, the, some of the stanzas of this song, actually all of them, uh, to communicate uh, this great truth of the revelation that they had of who Jesus was and why he came. Who Jesus was and why he Came. And I want to read the story to you from the scripture in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1, beginning with verse 1 through 11. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to, listen, underscore this. This is a revelation of who he was. They came to worship him. They knew who he was. And they were following the star to find out where he was. We're going to see that they also knew through the gifts that they brought, amen, what he came to accomplish. Verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, 
For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor, which shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Oh, somebody better get a fire extinguisher because somebody's pants just caught on fire. Robe just caught on fire. He didn't want to come and worship him. He saw him as a threat to his throne and he wanted him dead. People who are, are uh, intoxicated with power and, and completely committed to keeping that power, uh, they will do anything to hold on to that power. Listen. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, yeah, they rejoiced with great joy. <laughs> and and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and here it is, and they fell down. Literally, this would mean that they prostrated themselves before him and worshipped him. And gave him gifts. We assume there were three of them because three gifts were offered. There could have been more of them in this entourage, but there was definitely three gifts offered. And the three gifts that were offered were representative of the revelation that they had of him, who he was, and what he came to accomplish. So we see that revelation unfolding in these gifts. What he came to give to him and what he came to accomplish in all of our behalf. And they offered him first and for foremost gold because it is a gift for a king. It's the most precious and costly gift. It's worthy to present a king. The queen of Sheba, when she heard of the wisdom of Solomon, brought gifts unto him before she sat before him to hear his wisdom. In 1 Kings 10 and verse 10, it says, And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices very great store and precious stones. And there came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. <laughs> Someone has done the math here for me. Do you know how much 120 talents of gold is? Take a, take, don't even, your wildest guess without really understanding the weight of a talent and and what this would add up to in our day four and a half tons of gold. They knew, the wise men knew, that Jesus was a king like no other. Jesus knew it also 
that he was born king, not only of the Jews, but of the universe. In John 18, the Gospel of John, in verse 37, it said, Pilate therefore said unto him, speaking of Jesus, Art thou then a king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. If you've seen a movie where Jesus is confused about who he is and why he came and what he's going to do, like he's just like one of us and he's just got all of these issues, Jesus said, to this end I was born, and for this cause came I into the world, and that I should bear witness unto the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And the disciples of Jesus recognized him as their promised king, and they rejoiced with great joy. In Luke nine thirty-seven through 38, listen carefully. When he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice, praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Revelation 17 and 14 tells us that the Lamb will overcome His enemies because He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's actually specific in Revelation 19.16. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Pilate, who ordered Christ's death, not because he believed the crowd, but because he feared the crowd and feared Rome if they heard that, that, that there was this, this king about to take over <laughs> where he is now in reigning and ruling. But he knew, and not only did he wash his hands trying to get rid of the guilt, he had a title nailed to Christ's cross. And the title was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Often on crucifixes, you'll see the letters I-N-R-I. And it is the Latin abbreviation for Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. I want to tell you today... He's not just king of the Jews. He's king of kings. And he's Lord of lords. So these three wise men saw him in the poorest of conditions, in a manger, and born of poorest of parents, and the poorest of places, Bethlehem, (laughs) the least of the cities of Judah. And yet they had a revelation of who he was. Kings are normally born in palaces, yet they fell down. That meant they prostrated themselves and worshipped him. Amen. Gold was a fitting tribute, wasn't it, for the newborn king of kings. That's why the song is so accurate biblically when it says, Born a king. On Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, 
King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. The second gift was frankincense, and it speaks of his deity and his priestly ministry. We recognize the word incense in its name, and we understand that ancient people burned incense, believing it to carry their prayers to heaven. And the people of Israel saw it as one of the elements used in the holy anointing oil. But it was a substance offered to God. It speaks of His deity. Amen. Exodus thirty thirty four through 38 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, Stacte, Onicha, and Golbanum, these sweet spices and pure frankincense of each shall be a like weight, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before the testimony of the tabernacle and the congregation, where I will meet with thee. <laughs> Amen. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make unto yourself according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy unto the Lord. Whoever shall make like that to smell unto shall even be cut off from his people. I like what Dr. John Rice said, a scholar of Scripture. Frankincense was the second gift offered by the wise men to the baby Jesus. The frankincense indicates the deity of Jesus Christ as well. These wise men from the East, by faith and spiritual perception, recognized that Jesus, King of the Jews, was literally the Son of God. Amen. Another scholar states, As to frankincense, in by far the most cases in which the word occurs in the Old Testament it is mentioned in connection with the service of Jehovah, the service of God. The fragrant smoke rising heavenward was symbolic of the prayers and thanksgiving of the people. The incense was definitely an offering made exclusively to God. Hallelujah. Amen. By their gift of frankincense, the wise men, the magi, acknowledged the deity of Christ and worshiped him as the second person of the Trinity. The second stanza to this song, We Three Kings, says, Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping God on high. Amen. You know, the Bible said, In the presence of Christ in heaven, the presence of God in heaven, according to the book of Revelation, there are bowls, golden bowls. It's called vials in the in the King James. You look that up in the in the Greek and the Aramaic. It's golden bowls filled with incense, for incense is the prayers of the saints. Hallelujah! I'm glad my prayers are in the presence of God. 
that they are they're not stored in some back room but right in the throne room of God our prayers reside and God answers them according to his divine wisdom and his perfect timing and and the way that he chooses that will bring our good and his glory hallelujah if your mama was a praying mama my mama wasn't I led my mama to Christ in a nursing home before she passed away amen Uh, but if you had a praying mom i want you to know where her prayers are they are in the presence of god even if she's passed away her intercessions for you are right there in the presence of god don't let these prayers be prayed in vain god will honor those prayers he will come to knock on the door of your heart <laughs> he'll send the hound of heaven say that with deep respect for the holy spirit after you don't run from him dear friend run to him don't let those prayers be prayed in vain and don't let christ's death that he died be in vain come to christ today Amen. All right, let's go forward because the next thing that was offered was myrrh. They presented it to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, according to Matthew 2 and verse 11. Here's the verse in the song that is so clear. Myrrh is mine. Its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom. What kind of gift is this? For a newborn baby, myrrh, the spice used in preparing a body for burial. Death is usually the furthest thing from our mind when welcoming a brand new baby into the world. Yet somehow they knew, these wise men, these magi or astrologers who had the the wisdom, the the rightful uh, result of the spiritual knowledge and revelation God had given them, they knew this child of Bethlehem was destined for an early death. Not in the massacre of King Herod, because listen they 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 absolutely did not go back and tell him they knew they were wise men they were not deceived when he said he wanted to worship you know we could use that kind of wisdom through discernment today be wise enough to not fall for for false prophets and false worship Amen. And false statements of, of faith when, when really there is no faith. There's an ulterior motive in it. Uh, this is a day of great deception. It's also a day of great revelation of truth. I want to hear more uh, than just, j- just your normal everyday standard which is far below the standard of Scripture. When I go to church and when I listen to a preacher, I want some revelation. I want some realization of the truth in my life by applying the truth of the Word of God. Amen. I want to encounter the living God. I don't know about you, but I'm spoiled rotten. In His presence, there's fullness of joy, and I can't, I can't, I can't take anything less. (laughs) 
than than worship that leads me into the presence of God and the Word of God that leads me into the truth of God. Because if we continue in His Word, we will know the truth. According to John's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 30 and 31. Amen. And the truth will make us free if we continue in the Word just like we're doing right here. Thank you for gathering with us today. Thank you for taking the time. Amen. Hallelujah. They gave him myrrh. They gave him myrrh. Even though King Herod murdered many innocent children trying to wipe out the threat to his rule. But death on the cross is what they knew. They knew something of the scripture, didn't they? They offered him myrrh. Had the wise men heard the ancient words of Isaiah? He is despised. Rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53.3 Somehow, ah, by revelation, by the word of God, they understood what would happen to this child. Amen. And when they saw the reaction of Jerusalem leaders to the news they brought of the birth of a king and a new ruler... And so they came kneeling in humility before him. And to worship a God kneeling in sorrow before a Savior who would one day give his life for them. And not just for them, dear friend, but for you and for me. Myrrh was an ingredient in, for embalming bodies. It was mixed with wine as an anesthetic. Myrrh is mentioned twice in connection with the death of Christ. When Jesus was dying on the cross, in Mark 15, in verse 23, it said they gave him wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. The myrrh and wine would have dulled the pain just a little bit, but Jesus refused it. The prophet Isaiah foretold the travail of his soul on the cross in Isaiah 53, 11. Christ's rejection of the wine and myrrh show that he bore the full force of God's wrath. He suffered absolutely like no one had ever suffered. He suffered for each one of our sins and each one of us to pay the price that we could never ever pay if he hadn't paid it in our behalf. The second mention of myrrh was Christ's burial. When Jesus was dead, a man named Nicodemus, according to John's Gospel 19:39 and 40, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Dr. John R. Rice said the myrrh pictured the sufferings of our Savior. Vicarious suffering, the innocent one, Jesus, atoning for the guilty. Who are the guilty? It's you and it's me because we have all sinned. The scriptures declare and come short of the glory of God. And Isaiah 53 says, but God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. In Isaiah 53 and verse 6. Myrrh is mine. 
its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. That's the fourth stanza of We Three Kings. Christ died for our sins, dear friend, according to the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. Matthew 2.11 says, And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts once again, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when you hear about these gifts, think of Jesus, gold for the king, incense for God the Son, myrrh for him who would die on the cross for our sins. But he didn't stay in the grave. It doesn't end on that solemn, sorrowing note. (laughs) Amen. I like the fourth stanza. It says, glorious now. Many people don't listen down to that part. Glorious now. Behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sounds through the earth and skies. Amen. Together, the three gifts and three types of gifts represent three roles of Jesus the Messiah. His kingly office represented by gold, his divinity and his priestly ministry in our behalf by frankincense, his manhood by myrrh. They offered him incense as their God, gold as their king and myrrh as united to a human body subject to suffering and death. Today, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of worn thin of business as usual, of going through the same routines and rituals. To me, this reminds us that it's no casual thing to enter into the presence of the living Christ. And you know what he said about any gathering in his name, not just mega churches or mini churches or home prayer meetings, any time two or more of us as believers gather together, this should be a holy event. And the worship offered should be offered uh, with a clear understanding uh, of the holy event that is occurring. For where two or more of us gather together, the scriptures declare, there am I in the midst of them. They remind us that we don't come to be entertained, amused, or just instructed. We come to meet the Lord to encounter the overwhelming majesty of God. If that doesn't happen in our gathering, we've not brought the right gift into His presence. We've brought another agenda with us, an agenda that runs counter to the purpose of the Lord, for He declares, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So let's always come into the presence of God as the three wise magi did, offering the gift of our prayerful devotion. Friend of mine, I want you to know today that God is looking. In fact, the Bible said in the Old Covenant, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. 
that he might show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. This meant that he's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Let's pull away. Let's get back, like the song says, to the heart of worship. Not just this Christmas day, but all year long. Amen. Let's enter into the presence of God. Let's bow our hearts before Him. And let's bring Him the gift of incense of our prayers and our praise in spirit and in truth. And let's bless the Lord and see if He won't bless us with answered prayers, divine interventions like we have not seen. Hallelujah. Because we come to bow to no other king but Jesus and to no other God but Jehovah. Hallelujah. Oh, what a Christmas day this can be with a revelation and a realization of why he came and what he accomplished in our behalf on that old rugged cross. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, as your Sovereign, as your King, if you repent of your sin and come to Christ today, this Christmas Day, what a day to mark as the day when your destiny was changed, when you turned from darkness to light, from sin unto Jesus, from Satan unto God. Today, turn your hearts toward home. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Bow before Him. Confess your sins and receive God's pardon. Because that's what He came to do. And that's what He accomplished on the cross for you and for me. Today as a Christian, in this day of deception, in this perilous time, in these last days, we bow to no other king. We bow to no other God. When He comes, He said, Shall I find faith? Pistis in the Greek. Faithfulness, fidelity. Will He find true believers following the true and the living God. I want to be able to say yes, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about you today? Not just Christmas Day, but all year long. We'll celebrate Jesus. And we will commemorate through Holy Communion His death on the cross in our behalf. And we will glorify Him with our life as our King, our Sovereign, and our Savior. In Jesus' name, Merry Christmas from our house to your house, our heart to your heart. Amen.